Jake Hass Network. I'm your host, Arn Herman. How did Jews survive the Holocaust? Some were hidden, and some had to find innovative ways to escape the Nazis. We had the opportunity to be with director Janet Tobias and caver Chris Nicola on the new movie, No Place on Earth. Let's take a closer look. There are some movies that um, when, you, when you first read about the synopsis, uh, you can't really get a sense of what it is. Um, and your movie transcends a synopsis because you, the, the visuals and the story are so heartening. Um, first, talk a little bit about um, why you created this movie. Um, it was simply one of the best adventure survival stories I'd ever heard. Um, and uh, I'd never heard a Holocaust story like this one before. And, um, and uh, it's a story of incredible about family, friendship, the bonds a brotherhood, an incredible mother, and what you can accomplish with all that. You're an experienced cave diver, and uh, you, you were looking to find out about your family and going to Ukraine. Um, when, you, when you first went into the cave, what were some of your feelings uh, when you were descending and then you know, finding some of the remnants of uh, you know, what the survivors left behind? Well, I have to admit, the uh the main reason that I went to that area was I was lucky enough to get an invitation from a local caver to come visit oh. the giant gypsum caves. Cavers and speleologists are worldwide know these caves are very unique and part of the reason they're unique is they tend to be very voluminous and long, have complicated uh, labyrinth type structures. So that was the main purpose, mm -hmm. you know, to get the cavers mm -hmm. high so to speak. Right. And. Um, I, I always seem to be one of the oldest people in a, in a group when I uh, go uh, visit following cavers for some reason. So I was following some younger cavers, local cavers, and we, I felt like I was being whisked by a very interesting sight. You know, we were moving very fast. I'm looking at old buttons. I'm looking at earthen tables. Like whoever was there dug in, had dug trenches, so you have earthen benches and tables remains of shoes and I tried to slow them down. I said, wait a second, you know, what is this? I said, this, this, just old things left here by other people. And I, there was a language problem. Uh -huh. you know, years later, I would ask some of the same young cavers, how come we didn't spend time when you initially brought me into this cave? And the younger cavers would say, Chris, no disrespect meant, but we're young. We look for new passage, not old shoes. But seeing uh, the remnants of things from the past there, artifacts, I realized right away whoever had lived in that cave had lived there not just uh, uh, for a more, you know, matter of several days, meaning they weren't a local caving party. Whoever lived there lived there for a significant period of time. And I, I remember coming out of the cave the first few times. And yes, I was thrilled to have seen the long passages mm -hmm. and some of the newer discoveries made by the young cavers. My mind kept going back to those shoes. You know, what was a what was a, either a young woman, a young girl, or a little boy's shoe doing in that cave? And it just started irk me. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, over the next few years, I, I started trying to find more and more out about it. But it it, it fascinated fascinated me almost upon first sight. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the original purpose at all. Right. 
whenever you're putting together a story to mm -hmm. a movie, um, there are different parts that you have to find like the right balance. Mm -hmm. um, so how did you find like your your story? Uh, mm -hmm. Like your, your everyone has their own way to interpret what happened, mm -hmm. and because you know, it's a documentary style. Mm -hmm. But how did you you know put it all together? You know, we really created a hybrid, the team, right? and it's a blend of drama and doc. Um, and we did that after a lot of thought, because I'm actually not a fan of a lot of bad reenactment. It sort of takes right. you out of the story. But in this case, I thought we had two, one incredibly powerful things is, this is the last time we will hear from eyewitnesses, from people who said it happened to me. Um, and, and they are great storytellers, the Sturmers, and Chris is a great storyteller of, of his obsession to find out who the Sturmers were. Um, but I thought that the Sturmers were actors in their environment. And they were, as Esther says, masters of their own fate. And then to show what they did and to have people begin to sense the mud, the claustrophobia, the darkness, we needed to use drama mm -hmm. um, to help people experience that, and also to remember that they were really young. They were mm -hmm. your age and younger, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really easy sometimes to forget that, to, to forget what they accomplished. So, um, so we created this hybrid, um, which we thought was the best way of blending the actual facts and the eyewitness testimony with the experience, with a theatrical experience of what it was like to live in the cave for. Mm -hmm. 511 days, 344 uninterrupted days. That was actually one of the really interesting parts of the movie where that blend, you know, like between you you going to the cave and then, and then showing the reenactment, it was like you were thrown into so many different emotions because you, you saw your emotion and then towards the end, you know, you actually saw when they were, you know, going down into the cave. It was just like, it, there's a lot of different moments that I think resonated with, with, with the audience, um, especially at the end when they're actually go, trying to go into the cave, um, and then uh, you go with the granddaughter uh, down yeah. to the cave. What was, what was that like? It's yours. It, it, that was uh, one of the most emotional periods I've ever experienced in my life because uh, I discovered that Esther Sturmer had, in my opinion, somewhat predicted that that was going to happen. And uh, I came back from that trip believing in something I have marked my entire life, fate, that some things are preordained. And I actually came back with a couple of new Jewish words. I think, I think the words are preshut. <laughs> some things are meant to happen. And it was amazing too. When you accept that there are some things that are meant to happen, and it means there's some things you can't change, mm -hmm. there's no need to worry about them, and it's, it takes a, a weight off your shoulders. So that, it, this project affected me for life. Uh, there was another very emotional moment. The day after the brothers made the attempt to go into Priest Grotto, the first cave, uh, I was in the, uh, the place that we were staying at, and I went down to the eating area, early, I tend to be an early riser, and was shocked to see Sam, the younger brother there, before me. And he said, I've been up since 5.30, and he said, I had a dream last night. I dreamt of my mother, and I dreamt I was picking her up from Temple the way I used to, and she was dressed in her finest dress, and she looked at me and said, it's okay, son, you don't have to wait for me, I can go by myself. 
How did, how did the um, community, uh, you know, relate to you during the filming? How, how was, how's the relationship? You mean the local? The local, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, when you're going that, to these locations, there's a lot it's, of... It's not all a happy story, yeah. you know. There's mm-hmm. some shades of the dark from the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, historically, it's well known that uh, many of the Ukrainians collaborate with the Nazis. Mm-hmm. With that being said, there was one Polish family and one Ukrainian family that stuck by the Stormers, and they helped them mm-hmm. in terms of sometimes giving them food to survive. But you could feel the tension in the air, and... Uh, Sadly, uh, the Soviet resistance fires known as the Bandera, in some circles in Western Ukraine are looked upon as national heroes. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they murdered many Jews. So. Yeah. Um, what are you hoping audiences will take away from the film? Mm-hmm. I think it's a film about the power of the bonds and family and friendship, that those bonds really matter. Those bonds keep you alive. They make you do impossibly brave things if you're a teenage boy or a young man. Um, and um, and I think it, I also take away from that Esther Sturmer was one tough cookie, right? She, um, she questioned authority. She read four newspapers in multiple languages, which led her to believe that, that it wasn't going to be okay. And that questioning authority and questioning your environment and knowing as much as you can is of great value, right? That it protects you mm-hmm. too. What, did anything surprise you as you were filming? Um, I, th- I think I was surprised, I was surprised a little bit in Ukraine by, um, I think when traumatic, life-changing things happen to us, that a part of us remains that age forever. So for the four survivors you see in the film, that you could feel that they went back to the age they were when it happened to them, which was about 21, 14, 8, um, and 4. Um, and that, that their memories and experience are from that perspective. And each of those are quite different. And I maybe should have known that as a filmmaker, but it was really apparent when we were there. And the, I, yeah, I, I can agree. There's a one scene where I'm leading Saul Sturmer, the older of the two brothers, into the first cave, the Tabor Cave. And uh, I felt like I, he was looking at things the way he did 67 years, bef- years before that and that I was privileged to be there with him. It was almost like going in a time machine, mm-hmm. going back in time. Uh, it, was, it was an amazing feeling. Yeah, there was a, a scene at the end when they, when they said, turn off the lights. That's actually what I was going to say. Is that's, the, that's the final right. thing that would surprise me, which is, right. at the end of the day, the world turned upside down. The dark, scary place of ghosts and nightmares became the safe mother place that protected them. And as Esther writes, the evil spirits were outside. And so the cave was their partner and mm-hmm. their friend. Um, nature was their friend, and human beings were their enemies. Yeah. And, and as a caver, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. Now, as a caver, exploring caves over 35 years, I can tell you I'm comfortable in a cave. I'm mm-hmm. more comfortable in a cave than on the street. Mm-hmm. In fact, I tend to get claustrophobic now only upon the first two or three days back in mm-hmm. New York. Mm-hmm. Because you have to understand, I could be out there on expeditions for three, four, five weeks mm-hmm. and see sometimes just six people. Mm-hmm. 
it's unbearable my first three days back to work when I'm using the subway mm -hmm. and the bus mm -hmm. and within a half hour I'm within three feet of 500 people right. but when I'm caving I'm comfortable and the stoners will tell you most of them will tell you that when they think back to where they were that was the security blanket they felt comfort in the darkness mm -hmm. was and as Janet mentioned they were masters of their own fate. Mm -hmm. Just as Esther said uh, in her memoirs, when they were trying to figure out where they would go, they said, wherever we go, we need to be masters of our own fate. Mm -hmm. And they ended, they ended up discovering one of the longest caves in the world, an underground universe. So they were masters of their own fate. Mm -hmm. Now it's, uh, when, you know, seeing you maneuver in the caves and go back to like the reenactments, like, you kind of feel like, wow, this is like they actually did this. Like this, it was like instinct. It wasn't. They didn't have the tools and have the, um, the psychological uh, pre preparation to go into it. They did like it's go time. You know, you gotta go, and, th and that's it. And again, they they, they were amateurs when they went in a cave. You know, but they through trial and error, thinking out of the box, they taught themselves to be world class cavers. No, I think I, I often think. I or lots of people in the modern world wouldn't make it, right? They were actors. They created sleds. They built beds. They did things. They weren't contemplating how bad it was, what the philosophically meant. They knew they had to get things done, and they were master actors on their environment. As you can see, No Place on Earth is a powerful film about Jewish resistance and survival. This is Aaron Herman, and thanks for watching.